Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. bit just uh, to kind of hit back on desire and decision and just talk a little bit about how important those things are uh, within the teaching that I'm going to be teaching you um, as far as accelerating your income and how to do it with less effort. Um, so I want to, I just want to, I want to throw kind of a, like a mind shift in with this before I start Uh, a little deeper teaching. And here's the mind shift. The mind shift is there is a difference between change and transformation. And a lot of people, when they start, when they come from a place of they want to increase their income, they want to build a business, they want to live their dream, um, they really want to go out there, make an impact in the world, They they want to find their purpose, follow their purpose, follow their heart's desire, They are looking, uh, a lot of people anyway, are really looking in their past. It's one of the first places that we look because that's where our memory is stored. That is where our experiences are stored. That's where our belief system is stored. Um, Whatever measure of faith that we're operating with on a daily basis, that's where that is stored. It's stored in past memories, past experiences. So... Whenever we attempt to change something, and you might want to write this down, we're attempting to make a change out of a past experience or a past habit. This is very important because this is one of the reasons why people struggle so much, especially when it comes to transforming their income or accelerating their income. I struggled with this for years, and... It's really about stepping into, so stepping away from the idea of change and stepping into the idea of transformation. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to step into an idea of transformation. And that you start with that idea, with what we talked about, which was desire. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, Just from my own perspective, for a long time in my life, I had a desire to make a lot of money, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Uh, when, you're, when you're sitting around trying to figure something out, when you're trying to figure out how to do something, what are we generally drawing on? We're drawing on knowledge that we have you know, learned, stored, and experienced from the past. So we take that knowledge and we try to change that knowledge into something different to give us a different result. And that's exactly what I was doing. I had a desire, but instead of letting the desire lead me into my future, I was trying to change my past knowledge, my past belief about things without actually bringing something new into the mix. Whenever we're going to step into making a transformation, transformation is about becoming something new. It is about bringing something new. It is about stepping into a future that is new. 
So why is this so very important? Because when we're trying to change, one of the, what is the, one of the main things that we're trying to change is who we are. If you want to accelerate your income, you have to change who you are to some degree. That, that, that's, a, that's a change that needs to take place. But if we approach it from a place of change, then we automatically have to bring the past in because what are we, what are we doing? We're changing something. We're changing to who we were to who it is that we want to be. That's why we struggle because we, we're so tied to the person that we actually think that we are. Now, desire is something that is, it, it is spiritual in nature. It has um, a magical element to it. And when I say magical, I don't mean it doesn't operate by the laws. I mean that it has a specialness to it. It has something that most people don't realize can be achieved with nowhere near as much effort as they're actually putting into something because they actually allow desire to create a transformation. So, <laughs> excuse me, I'm going to read to you just a quote from Raymond Hollywell's Working with the Law. Because he talks about desire, and this is one of my favorite paragraphs in the whole world out of any book that I've ever read. He says, true desire represents the urge of life that is seeking a fuller expression and is kept alive by the continuous expectation of its fulfillment. It brings to us the ways and the means for its manifestations. The principle explains this, that no desire is felt and when he says felt, he means felt inside of ourselves. No desire is felt until the supply is ready to appear. Now, just think about that for a moment. Um, no desire is felt until the supply is ready to appear. Nowhere in that statement does he say you have to go change a million things about yourself in order for that to come into your life. What he's saying is that the moment that you feel the desire, the thing that you want is already here and it's ready to come into your life. That is vitally important. It is something that I did not know. As I began to figure this out, um, and I figured it out first by becoming an unconscious competent, basically stepping into a transformation instead of a change, and allowing everything in my life to radically transform itself, um, I began to realize that I was onto something that was a lot different than the way that I had been approaching my life up to that point. So he goes on to say this. So he says, no desire is felt until the supply is ready to appear. Then he says, no mind can be conscious of a need or a desire unless the possibility of its fulfillment already exists. Okay, what does this little paragraph, what is the magic or the specialness or the spiritual element of this little paragraph actually have in it uh, that has the ability to, tr to help you transform by making one simple decision? What it does is it's telling you that something that you cannot see, something that you have not experienced is already present in your life. 
So if there is something that we feel in the form of desire, and we really want that thing, it's a true heart's desire for us, and number one, it's already ready to come into our life. The moment you recognize the desire, it's ready to come into your life. Number two, if that's true, then it already had to be here even before you felt the desire. When you feel the desire, you're, be, you're getting into harmony with the thing that you desire. So you're getting into the same vibrational frequency of that which what you desire. So it comes right in, it has the ability to come right into your life. And I'm going to be teaching you exactly how to do that so that it can come right into your life, and it can come into your life with a hell of a lot less effort than you have been applying in the past. The important point that I'm trying to make right now is that we're looking to make a transformation in the way that we think about what it is that we want. So if we, if we believe that it's here, because that's a choice, if we believe that if I feel it, it can come into my life right now, that gives us a completely different possibility than if we don't believe that it's here or we have doubts or concerns about if we can actually do something. Because what this statement is saying is that you can, it's already here, it's already yours, it's already ready to come into your life right now. But there is a criteria that must be met in order for you to manifest that into your life as a physical reality that is something that you can literally experience um, beyond just the desire. What is that? It's a decision. It's a decision. The decision is really all about um, making a switch in our mind. You know, it's, if we're going to make a decision to do something, basically what we're saying is we're exercising our choice uh, not, you know, not to, to not do one thing and to do something else. So we, I just gave you some beautiful, beautiful truths and literature from Raymond Hollywell. So you have, you have the ability to make a choice. You can decide that I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's true. Um, I, I don't have uh, the, uh, the experience around that. Or you can begin to say to yourself, what if this was true? What if I actually behaved and started to transform who I'm being to allow the possibility of this truth to come into existence in my life? This is exactly what I did. Now, I have to tell you that growing up, I struggled with a belief in God. Absolutely no question about it. I absolutely believed in a loving God, but the teaching about hell didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Why would a caring, omnipotent being condemn you for all eternity because you didn't do the right things. That sounded like someone else's idea to me. So I want you to think about this for a second because I'm talking about the ideas that we're raised with that are conflicting 
with how we're living and what it is that we want to bring into our life. As I started to step into who I really was, I started studying the lives of successful individuals all throughout history, and I saw that they believed it's something way beyond their their own potential. When we have, because everybody will tell you that you have infinite potential, but I think that that is something that we struggle to kind of wrap our mind around, um, what is infinite, and uh, our potential, the way that we actually see it or recognize it in our life has a lot to do with past experience, so that a lot of people really don't believe that they have infinite potential, even though they actually do. But a lot of people that have done tremendous things, and the people that I've studied, it was almost like there was something there that they were being drawn to, um, and they started to follow. So they started to make this choice. They had to. If you read any biographies about, like, take somebody like Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb. You have to realize this. There were no light bulbs before he invented one. There were none. Okay, so we had oil lamps, we had gas lamps, and we had candles, and we had fire, like burning wood or, or, or garbage or something. But that's the only artificial light that we had at the time. So in order for, for him to come up with the idea itself of the, the, the electric light, he had to have a desire that was... That was helping him form an image in his mind of what this actually looked like. So it's really important to know that the desire that you have, however crazy it may seem, is actually leading you to the very thing that you want into your life. Now, around the same time that I started hearing the small, quiet voice inside of me that was giving me direction, that was, that, which was the desire, I realized that I was literally hearing spirit. I was hearing God, the voice in the universe, and I decided that I was going to follow it. And it was, I will tell you, it was not an easy decision because it's a decision where, and I, and I think that it's not only is it not an easy decision for people to make, it's also a very personal decision for people to make. <coughs> Excuse me. And it requires, I believe, a real serious amount of thought. Because what you're really contemplating is what is the future of my life? What do I want the future of my life to be like? What do I want to be, do, and have in my life? If I follow just everything everybody's ever told me, then I'm basically going to have a mediocre life or a life that is based on or resembles very much like my parents or the people that I chose to to be around. If I follow, however, the desire that is in my heart, that quiet voice within that's telling me which way to go, then I'm going to create something really fantastic in my life. But it also means that I'm not going to go through a period of change. I'm going to go through a period of transformation. Once I did, everything began to change. I experienced less struggle I took greater risks, and I received much greater rewards in my life. If you let it, the voice of spirit will guide you through absolutely everything that you do. So 
how do you know that the divine is talking to you? Let's kind of start there because I have people ask me this question all the time. I hear it's, is it the voice in my head? Is it my intuition? Before you gain experience in discerning whether it's the voice of God or the voice of your ego or your subconscious, it's important to check in with yourself. For instance, one of my clients who had what she calls a a, a wild goose chase voice because it used to lead her on crazy jaunts, each time it started to direct her, she always thought it was the voice of the divine. Finally, she learned through experience to recognize and ignore the voice, and it stopped bothering her. Unless you develop your own experience here, are a, there's a, there's, if you don't develop your own experience here, then you can't find the voice for yourself. So I'm going to get into a couple of ways to do that. But first, I want you to think about this. The, one of the first keys to understand this is that the quiet voice within doesn't tell you no. Spirit doesn't tell you no. It tells you what to do. It tells you where to go. It tells you who to become. But it doesn't tell you what not to do. Because that would be out of harmony with God's laws, which is more life. So it's everything is always moving towards life. When we hear no, which we hear, I don't know, I remember what the statistic is, but it's thousands and thousands of times before we become an adult, we literally start to um, kind of guide our life by what we can't do, what we shouldn't do. Um, so we get more used to hearing no than we actually get used to actually hearing yes. So number one, God does not speak to you through fear. The Bible states God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, courage, and a sound mind. Now, most people think that if they experience fear, God is telling them, don't do it. This is not accurate. It is an inaccurate statement. Okay? So God does not speak through fear. Now, I'm quoting that out of the Christian Bible, but you can find the same or similar concepts in every basic religion on the planet, and you also find it in all the major philosophies, because it doesn't make any sense. It contradicts the direction in which we go. So fear stems from a preconceived idea of what you can do and what your subconscious beliefs are. Fear does not come from the divine in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that to know that there's two fears that we're born with, and they're, they're not really what I would call fears. <coughs> Excuse me. But we'll, we'll, we'll call them fears just to give you an idea of what the feeling is like. So the two fears that we would be born with would be the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is learned behavior, okay? So those two fears are more startle responses. Those are designed to keep us alive, moving towards more life. It just says to become aware of your surroundings if you're actually experiencing that. All right. So let's go to the second one, which would be what we call an external confirmation. Now, when I first started following this small voice, I thought, what if I'm really listening to my own bloated self and I'm not listening to God? And the answer in my head is don't worry, 
I'll find you. So I, that's not mine. I didn't come up with that, but it's something that I have carried with me for a long time. I actually heard it in a story that a minister by the name of Joyce Myers was talking about when God was telling her to do something pretty extraordinary with her life that most women and, and women uh, ministers didn't do at the time. And she, she was just struggling to death with the idea that this, this desire that she had in her heart, which is the divine speaking with and through you, could be telling her to do something that she couldn't afford, she didn't, she didn't have the skill set to do, they didn't have the knowledge to do, and it was probably a pretty good chance that nobody was actually going to say yes. So she struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled with it, and she kept asking over and over this internal question, you know, God or Spirit, is this really you telling me which way to go? So finally, the response was, Joyce, don't worry, I'll find you. In other words, if you make, if you make a mistake, your desire, your spirit, is never going to leave you lost. It is always going to be pulling you in a direction to go to where it is that you're actually supposed to go. So it's very important that the first thing that we start to do is we actually start to listen to it. If that voice tells you to do something, you have to remember your response, as long as it's you know ethical, of course, and it's not harming anyone, um, it needs to be yes. That, that's what your response actually needs to be to that quiet voice on the inside that's telling you which way to go. If you say no to that voice, then everything comes to, everything comes to a, a screeching halt. It stops. So the, another question that I get here is, <clears throat> well, David, what if the voice is telling me to do something that I don't believe that I have the ability to do or I don't have the resources to do it? And this is, a, this is a great question because we're raised with the idea that we can't do something until we have the things that we need to do it. But that is not how spirit works. That is not how the laws of the universe work. The laws of the universe work in such a way that when you say yes to the first prompting that you get and you make that decision to step out into the thing that you desire, you're met with the next thing that you have to do. So, or the next thing that you have to be. Uh, the next thing that you have to say yes to. So it becomes a series of desires, decisions, and then you will have something show up in your reality. Um, in Think and Grow Rich, in, in, the, in Napoleon Hill's great book, Think and Grow Rich, he called that opportunity. So opportunity would show up in order to allow a person to then move or transform into the next level. But Hill said something that I think is pretty genius around this, and, you, and I really want to bring it to your attention so that you don't ever forget it. The one thing that he said about this is that opportunity to the, to the untrained mind, to the person who's just starting to do this, often comes disguised. In other words, the way the person is viewing what's showing up in their life is not exactly the way that they think something should show up in their life. So for instance, I'll just, from my own, from my own experience, when I was stuck making $20,000 a year, 
Um, I would sit down with a pencil and a calculator and a, and a piece of paper every day at lunchtime, and I would try to figure out how can I get to 40? How can I get to 40,000? I had this idea in my head that if I could get to 40, everything would change, if I could just double my income. Plus, it was also within my belief system, right? I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't too far of a stretch for me. But no matter how much I figured, I couldn't figure out how I would actually get to 40. And well, here's the amazing thing about this. The whole time I'm doing this, I feel this desire that I'm going to earn more money. I know that I am. I just don't know how. I am doing what a lot of people do, which is trying to change my situation, trying to change my circumstance, instead of allowing myself to be transformed by it. This is why I, got, I was stuck for, for such a long time. The opportunity for me to go from 20000 a year to 62000 a year was around me the whole time, but I couldn't see it because of Hill's philosophy about the sly disguises of opportunity. An opportunity being there that you can't see because you're blind to it. And so in psychiatric circles, they call that a scotoma. It's your mind, that had, your, your mind is what actually has the ability to see something, and we see things based on recognition. So we see through our eyes with cells in our brain. And, you know, it's kind of like when you were a little kid and they would hold up an apple and they would say, apple, and then you would repeat back, apple. And then we would do this hundreds of times until you remembered that this was an apple, right? Well, when you're trying to do something that you've, you've never done before, how do you recognize when the opportunity is the opportunity that is going to take you to that place? I didn't know at the time. I had absolutely no idea. So I was missing the opportunity. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how do I do it by working harder? How do I figure out how to do it by working longer, more time, which I really didn't have more time. I was already working six and a half days a week. And how, how many more raises could I get? And, and I, was, I was a dock worker at the time and a truck driver. And you just didn't get enough raises to be able to double your income in a short period of time. I would have had to work 30 years for the company that I was working for to even come close to doubling my income. And of course, there was no inspiration behind that either. So this is where I, I went into a place of real frustration in myself because you, know, you feel that desire inside of yourself, but you're not actually getting the breakthrough that you're looking for. So it, in a way, what ends up happening is that all of, the, you're, all of the ways that seem logical to you start falling away one by one. And with most people, myself included, as they would fall away, I felt like more desperate because it didn't seem like there was anything there. It didn't seem like there was any hope there. It didn't seem like there was any possibility there. I had made errors in my youth that caused me to be in this situation. My mind kept going back to the idea, if I hadn't made those errors, I wouldn't be in this situation. And yet I still could not see the opportunity that was around me. So this is where the power of faith actually comes in. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.